This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 778, brought to you by Macroverse. Next Generation Comics Plus Webtoon. Download the app at www.macroverse.com. And I find listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, and getting their shots. Yeah. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Grand Poop, Daddy X. Dig it. 
Get about my way as grand pools turn to shine Heard them seas ride the pine and get paid no never mind One time as I sew it up like Dr. Frankenstein yeah. Chickens ride the pony cause the rhyme flow genuine As I do it like that, do it like this uh -huh. Shorty watch your step or you might get rocked like Chris Are you feeling this? You dig the way Hello from my fan book, Pickle League episode 778 My name is Connor Kilpatrick And this is my co-host, Josh W. Flanagan that is that is my new middle name. You've just officially changed it. I, I feel like Waldo fits you. Joshua Waldo Flanagan. That does make me sound more like like a like a late nineteenth century robber baron. Yeah. And Joshua maybe Waldo Flanagan. Maybe riches will follow. And brought bought huge tracts of land in the Nebraska territory. That's right. <laughs> and then he mysteriously disappeared. We are a fanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks our favorite one. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book. Then we'll talk about other books. The patron pick. Powers, hopefully listener mail. Josh is being very optimistic with the listener mail this week. We'll have a good time. I, I, I wasn't really. I was just giving us options. <laughs> okay. I thought, wow, three emails in this script. That's optimistic. Here's your spoiler warning, the review show. Exercise some caution. Josh, you had the pick this week. I did have the pick this week. And, uh, weird week. Weird week. Yeah, actually it was. I don't know that I, I put my head around it. Not a it. bad week, but a weird week. I didn't. So here's, I enjoyed reading my pick of the week is Beta Ray Bill Dumber 2. We'll get to it. We Beta, Beta Ray Bill number one was also pick of the week, and I don't like doing that. Just just for the record, I, Beta I mean, Ray Bill number two of the newly announced five issue miniseries. Okay, so which makes sense because otherwise I feel like if Daniel Warren Johnson to do this all the time forever, he would die. Yeah, and we don't want that. No. Um. So this week was a weird week in that. Uh. So I got I got my second vaccine shot on Tuesday mm -hmm. night, and so on Wednesday. Not good for reading comics. It was not good for reading comics. Like I, I sort of did some and and then backed, to, and I just didn't. I didn't have that kind of focus at all. So mm -hmm. as I was sort of recovering more on Thursday, I was still pretty beat. Uh, but I had read like a handful, and I'd actually enjoyed what I had, but not much. I remember I started to read. Actually, you know what? Um, you, you have this later on the list, but you put Batman Superman on here, and I started <laughs> to read it on Wednesday, and I went, nope. <laughs> like I just I could not focus on it so anything yeah. I liked I sort of put off until later and then you know like Thursday night I just sort of went house on them but and I sure. did not enjoy myself but when I went back to like look at the overall list there weren't really many standouts or things to talk about so yeah, there was a lot of things like that was good yeah but so at the end of the I, like I think people need to understand uh not everyone but some people some of the listeners and viewers um if we don't talk about a book, just we didn't like it. There's a lot of books I read are just like that was good. I got nothing to say about it. It doesn't go on the list. So that's, or or that's that fine. we like, just I hadn't enjoyed a lot of things this week. We just hadn't already said. Right. Like if we talked about a certain book, you know, sometimes a new one comes out and it's like you don't want to hear us go. Yeah, it was just like before or repeat ourselves. So that's a little of that. But uh, Beta Ray Bell two. So here we go with Beta Ray Bell number. Two. No, but here's the thing about it is that I thought it was really good in a very uh, not very different, but it brought new things to the table that the first issue didn't have in them. Mm -hmm. I thought it was uh it was funnier. It was funny, yeah. It was it was more fun. They they brought together they he, Daniel Warren Johnson brought brought together like a little team, a little crew. Mm -hmm. I thought bringing in when originally usually when I see Scourge show up in a comic, I'm not happy about it. I'm like, "Oh, this guy." Cuz it's I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. He's one of those characters I like I like him cuz he's the Asgardian who just loves guns, which is so not an Asgardian thing. Yeah. He should love axes. And so that's kind of endearing that he just decided well, that, like, 
M16s are awesome. I feel like that that's just like a I mean that's the thing that the MCU has really added to it that I don't think was in the comics as much. Maybe it was, I don't know. But he showed up in the comics I don't know if it was during Jason Aaron's run, you know, but he's mm-hmm. like he's uh Odin's brother and it was sort of unclear whether he was a good guy or a bad guy and and I think they do use him for whatever it is they need him to be. But in this context, you know, I, I like the idea like he was in Valhalla, bored out of his mind. They had all sorts of weapons, but they didn't have any guns. And he just wants to go on an adventure and, and be helpful. And he's like, no, I'm your ride or die, bro. And so he yeah. just had to go. And then the other character is Pip. I don't remember who Pip is. He's, I, a, he's, he's a little he's a troll, like, uh, is what troll he said. with the furry yeah. legs. Yeah, he's been around for a while. So, uh, you, you know, they go with him and... and uh, it got very silly, I think, which was not a thing uh, that 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 the first issue was. The first issue was like sad, you know, and, and giant and, like Lord of the Rings size battles. Yeah, was, yeah. And so this one, we got to have a little fun with it, and I just I enjoyed it. I, I was really entertained in a way, it, not in a way that I, but in a different way. Basically, it had everything that I liked before plus more. And I thought, oh, that was really fun. And then you got a huge uh, double page spread. Of his ship, oh, how long do you think that took him? Jeez. Oh my god! And it, like, and I, I made sure to spend time looking mm-hmm. through it. There was a, there was an arcade room. There's you got the you got Marvel editorial down in the corner. Like it was a little wacky. He's got different suits up in one place. He has a gun and sword room. You know, there's his bedroom. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy playing a guitar in one of the rooms. Yeah, yeah. He's got pin. Who's that he's, guy? He's got pin. He's got three pinball machines. Uh, so Marvel editorial has a room and then there's a guy playing a guitar, which I maybe a reference to his, uh, book that we read from image, the, 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 um, Oh, murder Falcon one. Whatever yep. That was, yep, yep. Yep. And then, but then down in the hole in the very bottom, there he is drawing. He is down there. drawing. Yep. I was looking for him. I was like, he's gotta be here. It's and like, then, where's Waldo? yeah, there's a lot of people on this ship. There's another dude on a computer. Yep. Yeah. It's a good time. So, like, that sort of showed me, like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're having fun with this. You know, and, and Scourge is, he's drinking. He's way into it. He's up to 100 the whole time. So, you can see um, Carl Urban doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, <laughs> I guess, like, aging hipster Odin working at yep. the bar. And, and he works there as long as uh, he can brew his own beer in the back to, keep, to pass the time. Uh, you know, it was very silly. And, and it, it was silly, but also fit. it didn't lose the tone because there was the undercurrent, at least between of impending doom. No, Bill and Pip about their appearance. That was also you yeah. Know, this, that was a really nice scene. This entire thing is about you know in the uh, so Bateria Bill looks like a horse, but he doesn't. But that's not his true appearance. So he he looks just like an alien, like a cute little alien dude, like Alan the alien. Mm-hmm. But when he becomes Bader Bill, he looks like a horseman. And he changes back and forth with his uh, hammer. But his hammer was destroyed. So he can't change back from a horseman. So we saw in the first issue, you know, Sith wanted to get it on. But Sith was like, hey, change back to your human shape. And he's like, I can't. So she was like, oh, mm, you've got a giant horse mouth. So he's going on a quest for a new hammer that will help him change back to human. And that's his underlying being. And then at some point, Pip's like, I joined, I stowed away in your ship to join your crusade. Cause look at me. And mm. that was really sad. Yeah. So I thought that, I mean, amongst all the funniness and the funniness, the fun and the funny, the funny humor? and the action, the humor, 
this is really undercurrent of sadness because the entire thing is predicated on the fact that Bill feels ugly. And I, I also I think that's interesting that he 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 basically said, "Listen, I've done all of these things for everybody else. I feel guilt. Mm-hmm. I have these problems. I you know all of this stuff, and I just want." to have this one thing for me and I'm willing to do anything for it. Right. And, you know, and you know, anybody who's read a story and thought about it before is like, Oh, it's not going to be about his appearance eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, like the story can't end with, I made myself pretty again. Like that's not drama. And right. so, but I don't know what that's going to be. Like, I know that much, or I'd be surprised if that didn't happen, but I don't know what it is that he's going to find or, or end up with or be, but it sucks that he had his hammer taken away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know what was interesting is that I was reading this and I started to think, I was like, well, he wasn't always able to change back and forth. So I think that the idea was like Alan the Alien, he, you know, he was transformed into this thing. And then through the power of the hammer that, that Odin gave him, like he figured out a way that he could sort of change back to what he used to be in that. But I would, I would, I would challenge something you said just because it's not about him being pretty. It's, this is not his body. True. He's not this. This is not him. He's the other guy. So this is who he becomes when he's going to be the badass beta ray bill. But when he goes back to, you know, this is like if, if you could transform yourself into some awesome, you know, jacked, you know, fighter, but that's not you. Well, that's the question though. Like if, like if you go to war, can you come back and be who you used to be? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question that's really going on. Like, you know, he was made for war. He went through all of this stuff and he's trying to find peace, you know, and is that by going back to what you were or coming to terms with who you are? You know, like it could be all sorts of things. I don't, I'm not writing a story for him or whatever, but either way, there's a lot there. You know, there's the, the fact that you can have this conversation about it, the fact that you can think about it this way. And I actually think this is in a lot of comic book stories, but I don't think that it is, it is communicated at all. Like, when you talk to comic book writers, they will talk like this about what's going on. But you're like, that was a completely forgettable Wolverine arc, though. But with here, like, you can see it. I swear to God. <laughs> well, Daniel Warren Johnson is incredibly talented. Yes. But it's, you uh, know what? It's, it's, also, it's in a way, though, that there are, uh, you, there are people that you have met who make comics mm-hmm. who are not uh, shy or not trying to stay away from the fact that, that their work uh, they think their work is greater than maybe other people do or that it is. And I get this, this work while it is great and it is brilliant. There's some, there's this odd humbleness to it. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and even the way that he was writing, you know, in, in the back, um, like it's like, he doesn't know it. He also has the, he has the luxury of being able to sort of go into the side and tell these stories. Like mm-hmm. he's not in the yes. grind. Um, but so they have to go to Musselheim, Musselheim, Muspelheim. Muspelheim and get the the swords known as Twilight that will help uh, supposedly help Bill, but so that's it's their the mission. only it's Surtur's uh, sword. Uh, it's the only weapon with enough magic and power in it because because Odin doesn't have enough power in him anymore to make another hammer like that. Which led me to the question: like, well, then doesn't Thor and wouldn't You'd Thor so, help yeah. him? Well, they had a fight. Yeah, but you know they're still. And then the the big cliffhanger is that the ship, you know, Beta Ray Bill's ship, which is called Scuttlebutt, this giant ship, had an AI personality running it, and something happens in in their transfer to to Muscle Fine, Muscle Beach, mm. and uh, now the the ship has 
a sentient self, like a little sexy robot. So I think we can see where this is going. <gasps> That's where it's going. She has very dangerous head things. So. That power is going to be used to transfer the ship, in, I don't know, into, into I, don't, I hate doing uh, it. It's very, very good. Um, I liked it, the five-issue miniseries. Oh, I think that that's... You know, he gets to tell his story and not, you know, what do I have to do in issue 87? And it's a, it's a lot that, here. 27. It, I want yeah. one story. And it, there's a lot to do. And like, anytime that there's sort of this much on the page, both artistically and otherwise, it mm-hmm. can get tiring, no matter how good it is. So, you know, 12 issues of this might be too much. Five? Five sounds awesome. Five sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully yeah. that, that keeps going. But yeah, it, it wasn't really much of a choice this week, I don't think, when I looked at sort of everything. I enjoyed stuff, but this was the only thing that, that impressed me. And there was Yeah, you know, I didn't there even was think still, about yeah. what I was going to pick if I had the cho- had the, the, the honor of picking something this week. But you can't go wrong with this. This was also a week where, you know, Silk was also announced as a five-issue miniseries. A lot of, you know, that's what the companies do now. They don't tell you until the second issue. Yeah. They try to hook you. <laughs> it's this yeah. weird... It's this weird, like, we need you to buy this. But if we tell you, you're not going to. So You know what is interesting? And this I don't want to derail this conversation because we have the three emails to get to. But uh, the the five-issue miniseries as opposed to the six. Mm-hmm. Because USA Agent finished this week. It was five for five. You know? That sounds to me like an economic issue of paper trades. Could be. Like, like it's you can basically charge the same amount for $20 for a five-issue trade as you could for a six-issue trade, but you're saving money on several several fronts. Yield Array, Sinar, Richard Eisenhoff, Simon Boland. Eisenhoff's a name I haven't heard in a long time. In a long time. Long, long time. time. So there's been a lot of Marvel's books. This is uh, another one of the books that is um, part tied tied in tangentially to Marvel's, mm-hmm. the seminal Busick and Alex Ross miniseries from the 90s. We've talked about several of them. Some of them have been picks of the week. This one's actually written by Kurt Busick as opposed to just being overseen or, or curated by. This is uh, it's Astro City. It's basically Astro City. It's like, the, as, as he says in his, in his requisite essay at the end, this is any hero, any time, any place. And so here we get Captain America. <laughs> you even get Yildre Sinar drawing as if he's Brent Anderson. It's True. weird. Because that's not weird. what I think of as Sinar's work. No. It's a weird Didn't love thing. It. Didn't love it? It was Okay. I, yeah, I liked it. I was interested in it. Didn't I was like I wasn't at any point like wow. There was a couple times in fact I was like ooh. I didn't know what it was going to be, um, so I had no, no expectation. I didn't love the art. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I I actually got I was excited. I was like oh I haven't seen Cena in a little while, but he's sort of doing this style. And I'm not saying it didn't fit because I do think it fit with what this was, but uh, it took a little while to sort of just figure out what the thing was. It, you know, it was like reading. Uh, a pretty good issue, an okay issue of Astro City, but in the Marvel world, which was, by the way, the the point of, you know, Marvel's, wasn't it? It was like seeing it from the ground, from the eyes of other people. So, yeah, he so, says that in the back, that Marvel's yeah. was about from the ground level, so now this is from this the hero level. Yeah. Which just, just, just seems like every other superhero comic, but... Um, and I don't, want, I, I, don't want, I, I don't want to keep making fun of it. I, I, I did enjoy reading it. There was a couple of things where... I feel like an editor should have stepped in. Uh, who like the scene opens with Carol, you know, um, Captain Marvel and Steve eating lunch in Prospect Park, Brooklyn, and Steve raving about 
how the food's so much better now. It's all artisanal and real ingredients, unprocessed. It tastes like the food he ate when, in the 40s. Yeah. And Carol calls him a hipster doofus, which is a phrase I haven't heard since the 90s. I liked that scene. I understand what you're saying, and I don't think it's invalid, but I did... I did like no, that the scene. scene was great, but yeah. the, the phrasing took me out of it. No one uses that's a phrase from Seinfeld. I actually like to go that's ahead. A Seinfeld called Kramer. I'd like to go ahead. And yeah. So if you're telling me this book takes place in the nineties, sure, but it doesn't, there's no other indication that it does. And so that took me right out of it. I was like, wait, what? No, that, that no, didn't take just, me out uh, nearly as bad as when Steve says it's been a minute to right. whoever the villain lady is. And I was like, Whoa. right. That was the other thing. So either it takes place now and he's talking like internet people or it takes place in the nineties. And that makes Carol's phrase make sense. One of those phrases has got to go. Okay. Well, two things here, at least they know how to hold their sandwiches. That's true. There's one. no food. And two issues. This one. Does she have a minor threat shirt on? And yes. if so, yes. what the hell? <laughs> so you're really the minor threat. she is older like yeah. i have the feeling that she's old so if, maybe if she's like closer to our age like if maybe she's in her late 30s or whatever now then she would say hipster doofus no she should no one does i do sometimes i don't say it you don't say it no one says it i remember it though i, I like sure. that's not a thing that is like oh yeah i remember that. i think about it a lot Cue the email of someone saying, I say it all the time, which is fine, but no one does. Well, she called him a hipster, 100%. Just scratch the doofus line. That's all the editor has to do. I got to say, that part didn't bother me. Uh, I know what you're saying. I don't think you're incorrect. The other problem is that the editor is Tom Brevoort, who's older than Kirk Busick. So. Yeah. The minor threat shirt, though. That I didn't notice that until I was looking at the page. Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't know she was from Boston, but I saw that in another book this week. Well... Too. Is she from Boston or is she wearing like a Brooklyn? No, she, I, 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 Chris Eliopoulos did like, is oh, doing like right, an all ages Sox. thing and she's from Boston. So I, which I did not know. I thought it was a Red Sox hat. Then I thought maybe it was a Brooklyn. No. Doctor's hat was bread. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I hate her now. Oh, stop. Um, so there's, I mean, there is an element of the ground level stuff here. So while they're eating their sandwiches, there's a dude dressed like an old blacksmith because it's Brooklyn. And I used to live there for 11 years, so I can, I can say that. Keep your Brooklyn emails to yourselves. Uh, he has to leave his lunch date because he got a ping for his app. See, this is definitely not the 90s. Yeah. He runs a service called Kashum. But I'm saying Steve and her are now like middle-aged people or like, you know, like older, like either, I guess we are sort of the very tail end of Gen X or like older millennials, more or less. So they would have grown up watching Seinfeld. have a conversation about Captain America being a millennial. Let's just move on. Well, he's not uh, really, but just... He's a boomer. He's not a boomer. He's no, he no, no. He's greatest generation. Because the boomers are the kids of his generation. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. He's a greatest generation. Anyway, uh, this guy's got a, an old fantastic car that he uses to ferry t- tourists around New York in hopes of sighting superheroes. That's his business. And he ferries a couple from Ohio around. And, and we're only talking culture. about, this is only the second half. The first half is this history of, of uh, Shin Kong, which is like a, a Vietnam stand-in. Oh, we talked, that's right. Shin Kong, do you remember from that awesome Mark Wade miniseries, History of the Marvel Universe, like, like last year, mm-hmm. the year before? Yeah. Remember I mean, they, they invented Shin Kong as like the Vietnam stand but it's not Vietnam? 
No, I don't remember it from that. It was in that book. There was like suddenly the Punisher went to war in Shin Kong. Hmm. Yeah. For some reason, this is their fake Vietnam. I th- I'm fine with that. I think no, that I, gives I just, them. It's, just, it's odd, but it's, yeah. like a D- it's a very DC thing. I figured it out. It was a, the, the timeline in that first half was very strange. Because uh, each of the top of the page would be, you know, 17 years ago, 40 years ago, or 1947. And then the next one is uh, 17 years ago. And I was like, wait, 17 years ago from 1947 or now? <laughs> and then right. it goes to 12 years ago. And it's Daredevil putting on a, a USO show in what would be the Vietnam War. But that's 12 years ago. It doesn't make any sense. I guess this, I guess this, there might still be troops in Shinkong. And then 10 days from now, Captain America's in space and does an awesome jump from space using his shield, yeah. which is rad. Uh, and then and then Shin Kong has a dome over it of some kind. The That's Socialist Republic of Shin, Shin Kong. So there was a lot here. There was a lot. Like it wasn't, I didn't dislike every, this, but yeah, it was very Everything well. about it wasn't great, but I was like, at least I'm thinking about it. Like, at least there's something I had to, I had to do some work in it. And... It's a very thin line from this is confusing to what is going on here. Like, there's a difference between when it's annoying and when I was almost having fun trying to figure out the timeline. And that's because I give Kurt Busiek a hell of a lot of leeway because he doesn't let me down historically. So, you know, I was like, I'll go with it. I'll figure it out. Um, it was fun. I, like, they packed a heck of a lot into one book. There was. I, I had actually totally forgot about the whole prelude of the Shin Kong. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, right. It's the first half of the book. Yeah, you're right. Well, the title page doesn't come to the middle, so I was very confused. Fantastic Four 31, Dan Slott, R.B. Silva, Jesus Abertoff, and Joe Caramagna, stalwart Joe. Are you still are you still down with the FF? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is one of my favorite Marvel books. Although, <clears throat> you know, I don't love the whole thing and read hate each other thing. I don't I mean, love it. I feel like that is... They're coming to it more and more often. So I feel like this is going to be the sort of emotional climax of, of this run. It's basically is that they have to work it out somehow. And it's mm-hmm. true. Like it is the, it's the elephant in the room that they're dealing with that anger. And it makes sense. I don't know if it's the most fun, but it does work nicely in contrast to the fact that the family idea is now stronger than it has been in a really long time. Yeah. And, and family is much more specific than when Hickman did it. And it was like family was just like 46 different kids running around. It was more like a class. Right. But this time you have, you know, Ben and Alicia have the the kids. There's a really Scroll creepy scene, by the way, yeah. at yeah. the beginning, uh, when she's like, I could kill him right now, maybe tomorrow. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> Um, and there's a nice scene between, you know, like... Well, then she emotionally uh, crushes Alicia. Yeah. Like, I want to teach you to be a sculptor. You're going to teach me I'm a fucking scroll. I'm a better sculptor than you. Mm-hmm. And Alicia's like, oh, God, you are. It's like, oof. And oh. then, you know, like, we had some really spacey, you know, Reed and Ben go... I mean, I, I, I like the idea, like, this happened in that Cantwell book, too, is that, like, Reed went to do something well-meaning, but he fucks it up because... He, well, he didn't he, fuck it up. Right, but he got fucked Bentley, up. And Bentley, the guy who's trying to date Val, fucked it up by going and beating up her ex. Who's a clone of the, the wizard? Yes, he's a clone of the wizard. And I thought for a second that that wasn't the wizard and that it was Immortus, and I got excited mm-hmm. that it was Kang, but it isn't. But Reed, Reed's plan was good until someone secretly used his gate, which meant he couldn't use it for a month. I mean, it's very much a common. Well, know, yeah, but, like a, but Reed was still out there in a place where they were doing the Ghostbusters thing of don't think of the, don't think of the Marshmallow Man. 
And so yeah, but they were having a male bonding thing. They were going fishing, but instead of fishing, they were punching space creatures. Yeah, but then, but then, because of where they were, Ben thought of the thing that's that's been ha- haunting him, which is the thing that he saw where he he beats the shit out of Reed, and they know that that's supposed to be their future. And I was like, whoa! And, and there's drama there. It's not the most fun. And then and then we put uh, we put young Franklin into therapy. Where he talks to himself, which I was like, again, lot in this book. Although the dumbest thing is that apparently where in the other book, Carol is wearing, again, a Minor Threat shirt. And if you don't know, Minor Threat is a seminal early 80s hardcore band out of uh, Washington, D.C., um, known for starting the straight edge movement. Uh, it's, a little, it's very short, fast songs with a lot of yelling. And then Franklin's shirt, Franklin, this teenager now, has a shirt that says Rock Band. And has a speaker on it, <laughs> which, you know, try a little hard. Make a band up, you know? Yeah, make a name. It's not that hard. Rock band. Rock band. <laughs> it should have just said t-shirt. Teenage apparel. Pants. Um, I, I mean, this book is high in the gosh scale. And yes. it's it's probably the most purely high in, on the gosh scale that Marvel puts out on a monthly basis. And it's, it's incredibly fun. It's still it is the fun. most Fantastic Four book I've read in I don't know how long. And I really look forward to it now because for so long, I think I would start to try to read Fantastic Four wanting this out of it. And I didn't get it for a really long time. And now that this is going on, like it's just everything's always crazy. And turns out you were just waiting for Dan Slott to appear. Who fucking knew? That's what's great. That's why, you, that's why you never want to write off any comic creator other than J. Michael Straczynski. <laughs> well he's already written you off so it's fine it's fine he, he um, writes off all the comics that he writes so did you go back to batman superman number two <laughs> i hate to admit it but i'm this sorry morning. not number two i put this in the wrong numbering in the script number 17 number two of yeah. the gene yang i actually did for, I forget i thought that i had read it because it was sort of at the beginning of the list and i realized that i hadn't gone back to it after uh, after it melted my little mind i thought oh this is going to be really interesting but i can't handle this so let me know what you thought okay. i'll finish well, it. it was really good i i, I love this let's pick of the week last time yes at a time where i don't love what's going on in either of the batman superman books um this feels like a nice little respite of classic batman superman especially here because we have basically golden age versions of these characters mm-hmm. and while it didn't exist across two strips of storytelling the the device is still heavily in play here as um you know the action is in one uh, u- universe and all the all the panels are still encased in the film strips and then it, it moves to the other one again. So they're still playing with them sort of meta aspect of, of these film strip universes. But the story in the, in the, in the midst of it is incredibly fun as you know, they try to figure out what the hell's going on here in a world where Lois exists in both, but Superman doesn't. And you know, they're very different versions of these characters, but they're also very classic feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I thought this was great. I mean, I, I just love that they're playing with the form and the idea that they get to, you know, Gene Lee Yang really gets to sort of flex his creative, creative muscles here and play with the idea of even, you know, the reality of the page. I think it's, it's pretty fascinating because this book, you would think that this title would attract like the highest tier of talent. Mm-hmm. And, in, and, and in this instance, what I'm saying is that it, it is. I mean, you've got... While 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 Yang isn't necessarily you know like a big fan favorite you know he's a huge talent he's a Zurich or not Zurich he's a he's a MacArthur he's a genius he's a certified he's, well, he's official a fan, genius 
actually he did he did win a zirik also that <laughs> should be noted um you know he's a fan favorite outside of the world of comics yes yeah no he's probably sold more graphic novels than than mo- but e- either way you know and then you know ivan reese you know that guy that's a guy when when artists could still headline fan books favorite. uh you know he could he could do that too but i don't feel like they've actually done that so much i do know. want to point out real quickly that I don't know if we talked about this last time, but here Reese is being inked by Danny Mickey as opposed to his longtime inker Joe Prado Prado, mm-hmm. and it, it's still very clearly Ivan Reese, but it has a totally different feel. And I yeah. really like it. I just I think it's cool for a guy like Reese who I know I think when you say him, you know when you like you say his name, I think of a very specific thing. And here I feel like he's getting to be creative in a way that he hasn't been given anything in forever, and so you get to see right. him do you know, new kinds of things. And, and, and sometimes, you know, when, when an artist is known for doing one kind of book all the time, you, you take for granted that they could probably do other things and they probably want to, you know, and so right. getting to see this here is always impressive. I really like that. And I, and I see what you're saying. The, the, I, I like Danny Mickey as an inker. Yeah, I think he's terrific. I, yeah. I always thought that um, when he went off of Batman, it, the, the art wasn't, obviously it was Capullo, it was never bad, but it, it wasn't quite as special. Well, Mickey's a guy who, and I'm I'm just about talking out of my ass. I'll be honest with mm-hmm. you. I know him like he he inks a lot of different people and styles, and I don't think that he makes it his own. So if you take somebody like a Klaus Janssen or um, Bill Sienkiewicz, mm-hmm. when they ink these are people who've been working for forty years, but when they ink somebody, you can see it's them. Right. Mickey tends to uh, he embellishes the person he's he's inking. Yeah. You know, I think he improves the person he's inking, which is a you know, which is how it used to be. Um, it's really interesting. I, 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 it's hard to put a finger on it, but like I can't. I, I, I just know when I see his name, it's going to be a well inked thing. But I don't know what it's going to look like, other than it's going to look like the artist. If and he's he's sense. you know rare because there isn't a lot of inking left. I, I tell you, it's really it's really interesting to me how often when I do the scripts, you know that how how little I put in inker. And, it, you know, it used to be, like, Inker was part of the team. Like, that was, there wasn't not an Inker on things. That used to be unusual, and that's gone now. Um, I'm going to say something controversial. Go for it. I think you've, and I'm not going to study on this. I'm just, I'm just talking off the top of my head. But I have thought about this a little bit. I think the loss of the Inker and the transfer from physical to digital drawing has changed comic art, and not necessarily for the better. I find a lot of guys who used to draw physically now draw digitally. Their art is not as there's not as much depth to it. It feels much. I don't want to say process because that makes it feel like the, the computer's doing it, but it just feels different. And I can't put my finger on how. I think these... there's a different feel. Like I, like Raphael Albuquerque is a big example. Like he used to have a really sketchy, hard mm-hmm. style, and his lines are much thinner and lighter now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. Even Jamie McKelvey's art, who this week on Batman, Super, uh, Batman Black and White did a story with Kieran Gillen. I feel like his art's slightly different, too. Well, there's two. Like, there's, there's, I mean, some people just develop as time goes on, and it tends to look different, so that's part of it. But I, I think there's obviously the, the medium is going to have something to do with what you get in the end. There's a, so many factors involved, and it's, it's, um, it's kind of fascinating to think about because there's an interesting economic component now in that if if an artist does everything themselves, then obviously the the publisher doesn't have to hire an inker. The artist yep. can make more money. The publisher mm-hmm. can save money. I, I don't know if you could pay for both things or whatever. But then you've got the artist having to do more 
in the same amount of time that they were taking two people to do before. So, if, you know, like your day was just penciling, you give it over an inker, then you've got more time. But, yep. you know, then then you start getting to the, you know, the the um, the um shortcuts and, the you know, being efficient. And I mean shortcuts in a, like, you're half-assing your work. You just learn to be efficient. Darwin Cook said this to us. He's like, I've gotten very efficient. And you can see that in his work. He never went digital, but you can see the kinds of changes that he made to how he drew over his over time to be more efficient to get the job done. And, you know, the, 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 the problem, you know, for a lot of comic book uh, art professionals, especially is just that, you know, the grind is so, mm-hmm. it, you know, relentless and it just goes on and on and on. But I think that, yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing that in the art and those are the kind of changes that I think you're talking about, but it's it's, it's multifaceted. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm not, let me, I just noticed, you know, comics looked a little different. You know, I'm looking at original art on my wall, and mm-hmm. I know why, and I blame nobody for it, but it is such a bummer that there's going to be less of this. There's hardly any. I know. So most people... Almost is, everyone's working digitally now. I know. And all the major people who are working on Marvel DC books all the time. Or, or you know, like, if there is art that exists, like, it only exists in pencil because it was digitally inked. Or I, I hate the fact that there's a point where original pages don't have letters on them anymore. Yeah. Um, but God, I, I, I think nothing, nothing to me in art, and I mean art, like, like physical art that you are looking at of any kind is, is more, uh, interesting to me than ink on the paper, that black mm-hmm. India ink, you know, and the contrast between that and the white of the paper is one of my just favorite things to look at. And I, you know, I'm lucky in front of me, I am looking at a Stuart Eminem page and a Darwin Cook page I got a Gabe Hardman drawing over there and it can, you can see the ink and how each of those people used it. And that's not going to exist, nope. you know, other than a very specialized thing. And what a bummer. Have you ever like, like my, one of my favorite things, like I, I keep going over this, but like one of my favorite things about comics and, and this is actually a thing that's great about now is on social media, you will see people watching people draw sketch out to the pencils is cool or whatever mm-hmm. the coolest process is watching the ink hit the paper and oh, yeah, watching sure. that drawing it really comes alive then uh, yeah exactly that is the moment more than the you know the, everything is important but that sort of you know when it goes from a pencil drawing to an inked drawing is my and you got to do it with that sort of fluid stroke you oh, know i i'm mesmerized like i uh, uh, he hasn't been doing it in a while, but Mark Morales, the you know one of the big inkers, yeah. he posts a lot of videos on Instagram of him inking commissions because he doesn't have any books to ink anymore. Right, and uh, it's just watching the technique, you know, the the mm-hmm. decisions he makes, the feathering, all the things that he decides to do, and that's not there. And the, it's just it's mesmerizing. It's beautiful, yeah. and, and you you're losing look, all that. You know, I've, I'm I'm looking. I have a Trends Metropolitan page in front of me. And there's, you know, heavy black areas and like, you know, I've, I've owned this page for nearly 20 years. It was done, I don't know, 25, 26 years ago or something like that. You know, that black on that page is still black, 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 you know, and yep. it's just like, it's going to be there. And I love that. Uh, yeah. Well, there so we, much there, for the email section. So much for the email section. <laughs> you know what? Inkers need to be, ink and inkers need to be respected. So. Yes. I blame, true. but again, I think we could both say we blame nobody. For doing what they have no, to do. No, no, to I make totally understand living. why. I yep. totally understand why. Yep. Yep. This is a bummer, that's all. And now thank you to our sponsor, Macroverse, the new next-generation comics and webtoon app that is a universe of adventure. When you download the app for iOS or Android, not only do you get some of the best curated comics around, but you also get to read them using Macroverse's unique tap story format. 
thanks to the unique tap story format, all the comics in Macroverse are custom crafted for your phone, adding the element of time and a page turn between each tap. The page turn is crucial. It's crucial. cool. Yes. It's a cool format. Uh, this means creators can craft the reading experience to create an immersive experience for humor, jump scares, and ultimately avoid uh, from spoiling the story uh, by scanning the page ahead, which is huge. It's the way comics would be if they were invented today. Uh, if you love comics and webtoons, you'll love it. Macroverse has comics for everyone. Comics for kids like Rock Mary Rock, for YA audiences like Glitch and Remind, Horror with Dead Town and Damayaga. I'm going with or Dame Yaga. I like I think Dame Yaga as if she's a royal, but that's yeah, fine. I th- I'm feeling Dame Yaga like a like a Hellboy that's alien. Probably, probably more accurate. Uh, I like and, Dame Yaga. It's and, an old. It's like a Downton Abbey yeah. story. Oh, you've all the wrong tales. <laughs> and action like Billy Smoke, which we've said before, it's just Great a fantastic title. title. And anti. Uh, some of her picks from the app that you might want to check out are Remind, which is Eisner nominated. Uh, a Miyazaki-esque tale of a young woman looking for her lost cat. But when he washes up on the shore of her sleepy coastal town with a head full of stitches, that sounds disgusting, uh, and the startling ability to speak and no memory of how he got that way, her quiet life has changed forever. I'm actually wondering if the young woman is okay. Right. Because maybe the cat's not the issue. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's Dead Town. This series follows Chan, a classic hard-boiled anti-hero, as he plies his trade in a world overrun by zombies. Visually inspired by the rich black-and-white style of Touch of Evil and the Maltese Falcon, which I wrote a paper on in college, uh, Dead Town combines film noir with the zombie horror genre in an edgy reimagining of a detective thriller. You can also check out the release of Season 2 which was out last month, of Paul Shear's action comedy Aliens vs. Parker. This is a unique creator's cut of the Boom series, rewritten and reimagined specifically for Macroverse. If you want to get on board with the next generation of comics, then go download Macroverse today on iOS or Android. You can use this special link to get the app, ifn.by slash Macroverse, or go to ifanboy.com and click the link on this post about the podcast episode. Uh, with the app, you'll get multiple series with free episodes, and then it's four ninety nine a month for unlimited access to all the great comics. Check them out at www.macroverse.com or download the app by going to ifn.by slash Macroverse. Thank you for your support, and go enjoy the next generation of comics with Macroverse. I know that we had uh, Savage Avengers as a patron pick, I think on issue number 17. And yeah, I was like, that was a really fun one. It was. It was. I was like, that was weird. And I think every time one comes out, I think, oh, I wanted to read this. Did I read the last one or whatever? And I thought, oh, who cares? I'll just read it. So I grabbed Savage Avengers number 20. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea what to make of it. It's a really okay. weird book. This is not a complaint, but basically, uh, uh, there's a bank robbery uh, to save the bar with no name. And Conan is the main bank robber. And I'm trying to remember who the other one was. I think Rhino. Rhino goes on a bank job with him so that they can make enough money to because they have to keep moving the bar with no name around and it costs money. Mm -hmm. And then Spider-Man shows up to stop them. And I just, I didn't quite understand what had happened to Conan. And then Conan also has, he had a, he got a sword from Null. So now he Uh has like a symbiote arm power. Oh God. This is nothing I want in my life. I don't know. It's just fucking weird enough that, that, like, it has a wackiness to it. Sure. That I can appreciate. And look, I really enjoyed that issue. Yeah. Where Conan shoved Deadpool through the bars of the jail. But I, that was really funny. Yes, it was. But I don't know what I don't I don't know where they are here. It's chapter twenty. <laughs> but it's funny because like you know, throughout this weird ass book, 
they still all the narration still has the the Robert Howard sort of Conan talk to mm-hmm. it. The Sumerian would take advantage of the rhino's distraction to descend into the vault. He's been in many vaults before. You know, like he's just well. he's, and 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 it actually did. You could see one of the old Conan stories where he's like robbing the treasury of some king, and you'd be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." So yeah, sure, he'd rob a bank here. Why yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was he's, weird. He's no hero. No, he's Conan. That's a good point too. Black Widow number six. This is the first uh, issue after the initial arc. And uh, I am, I'm just continually impressed by this and, and Kelly Thompson's work. I really like this take on the character. Uh, it's a fun book. It was a guest artist, Rafael De La Torre. It's really beautiful, colored by Jordi Belair. It's, it's kind of a bummer that the movie didn't come out and this would, you know, this doesn't get the bump from that and that little synergy that goes around. But I think it's a good take on the character. Also, it's so sad, too, that she's just every once in a while she thinks about her baby. Just like, oh. Yeah, that's exactly what I didn't want to get. That was my worry after issue five, yeah. what I talked about in the show. And I didn't like that part. I hate her haircut. I think it's stupid, especially <laughs> for someone who's trying to blend into the, into the world as a spy. It makes her very recognizable. Um, and I obviously wish she wasn't wearing this new dumb suit. But, um, she can't. It's it's a comic book. She can't be a a dumpy lady. And what I'm saying is, you know, you shave one side of your head. Yeah, it's a lot more memorable than just a redhead. Not necessarily in San Francisco. No. Oh. Uh, it was a really fun fight sequence, though, and and fun stuff. Oh, sure. I, no, I, I, I mean the, the action's great, and yeah. you know, I, I still like. You know, Kelly Thompson writes her really well. I my concern was, you know, in the same way that Damien permanently changes Batman. If you give Black Widow, a kid that she has to never see again, that permanently changes the character, and I don't, I don't like when that happens. So, mm-hmm. um, that was my worry. And, and the little opening bit, you know, the, the the recap said, you know, her her fake husband and biological son are gone forever. And then the first thing that happens is she starts thinking about it. I was like, fuck. Yeah, it's only been so, one issue. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't love this issue. I was, that's that's all. I thought I just, I just think it is really beautiful. I the action sequences were great. Uh, and I just like how uh, Kelly Thompson writes it. I like the recruitment of the, of the thief. Now, mm-hmm. the only problem with that is, similar to the bad fit food eating on page seven, is the thief pickpockets Black Widow by pulling her wallet through the through the bag, through the side of the bag, apparently. Mm, yeah. Well, that could be after she got it. And that doesn't seem like a good bag for pickpocketing. No. <laughs> Did you end up uh, picking up on Shadecraft? I did not. No? All right. Well, uh, second issue came out. This is uh, Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett, um, their follow-up to Skyward uh, from Image Comics. And basically in this, it's a lady, it's a girl uh, whose brother has been put into a coma by a car accident, and uh, she has shadows coming after her. And then we find out uh, at the end of the last issue, which was not terribly clear, that her shadow, her own shadow, has been... Mm -hmm. um, possessed by her her brother who is in the coma and so now she walks around with her brother talking to her in the form of her shadow and and he he gives her a hard time but not like in the mean way like he's fucking mm-hmm. with her like a brother might it was kind of funny it was it was i, I kind of just wish that this was a little more clear in the last issue what this was because it was like mm-hmm. they picked it up and and this was i was like oh this is what the book is and uh it was fun. It was good. I, I like the way they make comics. It wasn't amazing, um, but I really liked all of Skyward, and I liked, uh, you know, Lee Garbett is is an underappreciated gem of an artist, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things they're doing what they want to, and I, and I, I kind of get the feeling, too, like it could go anywhere, and I like that. 
This is the final issue of the, the comic book history of animation. This is number five by Fred Valente, Ryan Dunleavy, and Adam Mikazowski. And yeah, not as impactful. Again, not five issue in the series. Uh, not as impactful as the comic book history of comics, obviously. But I still find this really interesting. And this was the issue probably most relevant to most people listening to the show. It's the you know the rise of Pixar, the history of that, which was really interesting. You know, while also hap- uh, anime is happening in Japan. And then we get to like Batman the Animated Series in the 90s and The Simpsons and uh, the 90s, you know, sort of Disney revitalization with like Lion King and, you know, Little Mermaid. And then um, to the point now with like adult cartoon Space Ghost happens in the, you know, late 90s. And then to the point where we have all kinds of cartoons being made, all kinds of ways for all kinds of people. I, I, this was this was fun. I mean, they, I love these kind of historical comics that these guys do. And animation's interesting, and it's you know sort of tangentially related to comics in a way. So it's you know it's fun, and it was all interesting. There's a lot of things I learned here that was that was fun, including the fact that uh, Matt Groening's character designs he, that he just dashed off to get the animators to, to to redo, they just traced. That's why the, the early Simpsons looked so shitty. He figured they he figured they'd make them better. They didn't. They just traced them. Now, someday when there are parties again, you will have many anecdotes. Bruce Tim knocked out the model for Batman for the animated series in an hour. Thus the simplistic, you know, it's like uh, Keith Richards and Satisfaction. Well, it was actually what you were talking about earlier with Darren Cook. It's like the, the fewer lines, the better. Was yes. his idea that, that the, the less lines that the animators will deal with and the less, you know, iffy the animation gets. So mm-hmm. that was his, his idea. But, but the most, the beginning with Pixar was really fascinating and interesting and in how that sort of came about and, we don't have time to go into it here, but it's very. If, if you like animation, and all this was a this was a must read miniseries. That's really cool. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, there is the patron pick where every patron votes every week to add a book to the rundown. And this week, uh, it was a clo- it was it was a relatively close race for a while, but in the end, it was Robin number one, probably surprising no one. <laughs> written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Gleb Melanikoff. And or, or letters by Troy Pateri, Peter Terry, Peter Thierry. <laughs> that isn't, it's not. It's Pateri. not Peter Thierry. Uh, Troy Pateri. Uh, Pateri. Would you have read this had it not been the pick? Hell no. That's a hell no. Okay, so, so no. it's an obvious p- patron pick because it's something they'd be interested in. But Every once in a while, they like to slide a knife into the ribs of you or I. Well, this I read. I, yeah, but this is your because I read it anyway. Was, I, thought, I got knife. I got knife stabbed this week. Well, let me ask you this: How mm-hmm. do you feel about Mortal Kombat? Never played it. Don't have any. Well, this any is this is Mortal Kombat, but with Robin. That's what this yeah. is. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad like, thing. Is it the Kumite? I decided. I know that word, but I don't actually know what it. I don't. I don't know where it's from or what it means. From I've heard the Jean Claude Van Damme classic. Oh, Bloodsport. I, sort of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Boy, that's something I haven't thought about in about thirty. I two, think about Kumite at least once a week. I think all the, the only the only thing I remember about Bloodsport is the guy's leg uh, bone popped out. That's all I remember about it. It 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 got me when I was I don't know. You know, eighties movies. Really made me think there was a lot more underground fighting tournaments going on in the world than there actually seemed to be. And quicksand. Because there was a, that's right. You either ended up in an underground fighting tournament or you ended up dying in quicksand. Yep. That was how I thought adulthood would go. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm in marketing. So. Um, 
<laughs> I, I was I read this anyway. Had I actually, I'd actually downloaded it because I thought, well, I know that Josh Williamson is is uh he's he's a stout yeoman of work and he will he will he's try great. to do something. I have no problem fun. with creative team. Damien has decided to take off on his own uh to win and compete compete in and win the is the Lazarus tournament or something like that. Something uh, uh, Lazarus. Well, it's on Lazarus Island. Okay, whatever. There's a tournament has something to do with Lazarus. Lazarus is the pit where his grandfather would regenerate himself to become immortal, as Raj al Ghul does. Lazarus, the League of Lazarus tournament. Okay, there you go. And every hundred years, uh, you know, you, you can get there, and then uh, everybody has to fight, and then this one person will be... I don't know what you get if you win. You get to be a tough guy, which is sort of what these folks are into. And so he gets there, and everyone's like, what's this kid doing here? And they're like, that's Damien. Oh, you know, like, um, and he's wearing his new, does he wear this costume in other books or is this just for this story? Well, so the backstory is he, he quote unquote quit being Robin. That's the, the patch that's Bruce is looking at in the, in the mansion. It's torn a little bit, tore it off his chest and he quit. And then he went off to hang out with his mom. That was happening as backup stories for a couple of issues of Batman. And then he somehow ended up here. So he, this is sort of his, I'm not Robin anymore. Yet I've got a giant R in my chest costume. Okay. Now, I call I call myself Robin, but I'm not Robin anymore. I had fun with this. I I, I enjoyed it. I think um, I do think that there is a possibility that Damien can be a, an interesting character if written with depth. And I think that we saw this the same week over in. Um, I mean, John Kent has been an enormous lifesaver for that that version of the character. The conversation they had in Action Comics this week. Um, mm-hmm. and then, so then he goes over here and, you know, there's, there's, there could be real depth to the character. It's a hell of a backstory. And like, I think your thing is like, yeah, but I don't want this to be any part of this. And I get mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, but if you can look at this on its own, you know, aside from those things, you know, like, can, like I could ask you, would, could there be a Kyle Rayner story that you would like? And you would probably say no, but I think this is a little like that. Like, if it's stuck on its own, it's its own. Like he goes to this fighting tournament. It's simple enough. I hope it's not 12 issues of this. That would be very silly, but <laughs> three, four, five issues of this story, you know, let this kid with, uh, um, you know, a huge attitude and confidence, you know, go in here and you'll see him ups and downs and he'll probably win and it could be fun. That's kind of how I looked it, at it. There are deep, I mean, deep cuts, relatively deep cuts here. He fights King snake. Uh, Connor Hawk is on the tournament. Um, now, you probably uh, recognize the deep cuts more than I did. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, they they hinted at Connor Hawk before. Um, who else is in this tournament? Uh, the Ravager. I mean, not super deep cuts, but they're they're you know relatively deep cuts. Um, first, they they really need to get on the same page about how Batman looks. And now, I mean, he is he is his costume blue and gray, or is it black and gray? Because I thought we all settled on black and gray, and now here it's back to being blue and gray. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, second, I refuse to acknowledge this book's right to exist. Fair enough. <laughs> and I believe that Flatline uh, is a new character. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that's a that's a bad nineties. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can see when you've just made up a character for this, and hopefully that she just won't be around long. But uh, what did you think about the art from Gleb Melenkov? Melenikov. I liked it. I think that this is what this is this is kind of art that I often thinks work works best with. Um, Robin books. Mm-hmm. I think for one thing, it lets them more easily 
define, if done well, uh, the difference between adult and child. So you can tell some of the more realistic artists have a hard time making him look young enough. Yeah, here he's he's very skinny and tiny. Yeah, like you can just tell very quickly visually who he is and how old he is. And at one point here, he actually says, I'm 14, which is like, I don't think yep. I've ever actually heard them say the age of a Robin, or at least it doesn't happen all that often. Right. I think that the costume, if you look on page 19 of the digital reader, mm-hmm. um, the costume is terrible. Like, I didn't think it was so bad until I saw it here, and it's got like the little pointy ends of the tunic coming out underneath the belt and, yeah. then, and then the shoes have a point on them which is just <laughs> awful oh, that. what are the straps on his ribcage for I th- to hold like it, it like it holds the armor on on either side I see that's how is I would he wearing, think he's wearing a girdle yeah yeah and it's high it's way up there um, how does he breathe well he's he's quite in shape and you know they, they do amazing thing with plastics today uh, so yeah. let's say that you, you're denying it its rights to exist, but on its own, did you find yeah, it yeah. enjoyable enough? Well made. I promise, I I, I I I loathe the main character with every fiber of my being. That, that's fair. So it's hard to look past that. You know, like, actually, it's fine. This As occurred a comic to me. Book, it's fine. I was thinking about this the other day, and we don't have time for this conversation. But mm-hmm. who would be the character that you would m- most immediately banish from DC? Like, would it be Damien? Would it be Lobo? No, it would, would it it'd be, be Damien? It would be Damien because Damien sh- forever changes Batman in a in a way that doesn't help his character. Whereas Lobo can come and go, but Damien has taken the most recognizable superhero on the planet and fundamentally altered him. That's Grant Morrison's fault. Yeah, no, ultimately but, it is, and we we didn't realize at the time that it was happening. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because usually you think, well, this will go away. But also, it's, it should be said, you know, like, there's, there's some reason why it's stuck. You know what I mean? Like, and, I, and it's a corporate reason. I don't know why. I'd love to talk to someone. Do you who, think it's a corporate reason? Do you think that no. he hasn't? Because I, I feel like the character has resonated with maybe newer readers than us. There's a small percentage of people, but there's no way he's a popularity eclipse of someone like Tim Drake, who, for, I think from the majority of people reading, not for me, but for the majority of people reading, is the primary Robin. Hmm. But Interesting. I there's got to be some sort of corporate reason for it, and I don't understand what it is. Nope. We've had this conversation many times in many many shows, but yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, look, look. If it's a comic, if you take take the take the art of his chest, you make this guy a new character named Sprite. What if it's some, what if it's know, Duke? Toe toe boot. Um, you know, it was fine. It was fun. Like you know, guy goes to the Kumite and fights and gets his heart pulled out. So I guess the problem's solved because he's dead. <laughs> the issue ends with with the uh, flatline pulling his heart out of his chest. So it's uh, a fight to the death, is what we find at the end. Rather unbloody heart. Well, he's cold blooded little fucker. That's the thing about so, spending too much time around the Lazarus pits. That's what they don't tell so, you. My problem is solved. He's he's gone. All right, cool. So um, in it's that fine. case, you, you know, like, five. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, for what it was in terms of comic book making and the art's good. Um, so you know. If I'm rating this book, ratings, ratings out of five, I'm giving it um, a three and a half as a comic, a zero as a Damien story, and a five if Damien's actually dead. <laughs> I like that. I like that sliding scale. I'm going to give it a three. It's a perfectly serviceable comic book. Yeah, it's serviceable. There you go. 
So you're not reading. Are you going to read more? I might. Yeah, I might. Okay. Yeah. You don't often read more three 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 star books. Uh, I mean, it had a little bit of the gosh in me that I think it had okay. a little good old superhero action that I'm kind of I don't hate. Damien. I'm not holding it against you. I, I don't hold it against anyone who likes. No, Damien. I know that. Although I, I, think, I question your your character judgment, but I think I pull for Damien. Because I think the idea is he's not going anywhere. So if he's going to be around, at least make him good. Well, that, and that's totally fine. But they haven't. And he's been around a long time. I know. And he's I, still I really. Not just asshole. I really liked him in the action comic stories where he's with John Kent. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the best place he is because that's well, I mean, much like Batman. Was in deceased because that was an Elseworlds story, which he was older. It didn't yeah. matter. I don't mind him in that, in that setting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but that said, I didn't read, I haven't read any of Super Sons. I just mm-hmm. think, you know, in those things where like in Legion where he shows up and, you know, it's that one place where he lets his guard down and it's just a, a normal human with somebody in the same way that Batman is with Superman. I like that parallelism. Um, I don't hate him, but I don't, you know, it, it, genie's out of the bottle at this point, basically though. Yeah. And Hal Jordan came back though. And now everyone, and now Kyle, Kyle Rayner is more or less gone. So you never know. But now how it's gone again. It doesn't matter. The wheel keeps spinning. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. You can vote to add a book to the rundown. And if you give it the $5 or higher level, get your superpower live on the show. Steve Sousa has the, has the uncanny ability. Uh, it's not even an ability. It's the thing that happens. No one ever forgets his name or face. Once they've met him, they remember him. It is always, you know, it, once he's made the impact... There's no, uh, you know, and that, that gives and takes, mm-hmm. but the, it is an ultimately absolutely, uh, rememberable face and name. So it, once, once somebody's met him, they know him forever. And just in passing? Just, yeah. So he's like, uh, he leaves an indelible mark. That's his, yeah. his aura, superpower aura. Yeah. Like a, he's like a celebrity, <laughs> but without any of the, the benefits. <laughs> Steven Schmeling. I have a uh, superhero names to go with each of mine this week. This week. Okay. Steven Schmeling is known as Blacklight. Oh. Because Steven Schmeling can emit black light. You know, like. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can do it he, two I, ways. I assume he hates staying in uh, mid-level hotels. <laughs> and everyone else wants him to come to parties in mm-hmm. college. Uh, he can do it in two ways. One, he can a- emit like an ambient black light from his palms. So like, you know, that's party Steve, you know, like put, you know, turn off the lights, put, have Steve activate the lights and he, you know, everyone's teeth start glowing <laughs> or from his fingertips, he can do black light spotlights. Ooh. That's where you get to the like top, a laser you know. pointer. Yeah. Nice. A crime scene, Steven. But yeah, no, ho- hotels are just a disaster for him. Yeah. I'm not staying. Don't, act, don't activate. <laughs> can he hotel. turn it off? Can he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's activated. Okay, so he just does. So he's not walking around constantly emitting blacklight. Yeah, it's no. just that point when you're laying in the hotel bed at night, you're about to go to sleep, and you just think, maybe I should just. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> How did they get semen up there? There's biological material everywhere. <laughs> Matt Faff has a name and a face that no one remembers. <laughs> no one. Just, no, no one. He, no, he's not his exists. family. His, fr- his good no friends. One. Every time that he meets somebody he's met before, it's as if they've never seen or met him. Now it can exist on paper. 
you know, like it can be like they can look him up and be like, oh yeah, right here, Mr. Baff. But uh, he can he can operate in the world. I mean, let's be honest, he'd make an he'd make a brilliant thief. He would. Who did it? I you know I I just I, I didn't just don't get know. It. Yeah, I just don't know. You could put him in a lineup. It, nothing. So you're telling me this man walked in, took the painting off the wall. Talked to you for half an hour and left, and you can't even tell me what color his hair was. Worse than that, they can pull up the videotape. Yeah. Watch the video. There he is. We got him dead to rights. Put him in the lineup. And it's like, it's not, it's not nothing, nothing here ringing a bell. Like, you, you've created a supervillain. I, I mean, it depends on how you want to go. He could be hey, the world. Sometimes it's supervillain. Sometimes that's how it goes. It's about remembering the name or face, though. So that there's other ways that he could establish relationships with people. He's just got to be creative about it. So, like, if you're the spy runner at the CIA, like, there's ways to remember him. But every time he shows up, like, he he knows about the person. But every time he shows up, it's just like he's never seen him before. Rachel Cutler, her superhero name is Lava Lamp. Because anytime she touches a lamp, it turns into a lava lamp. Ooh. Real groovy lava lamp. Here's here's the thing that I learned about lava lamps, because both of my children (laughs) wanted them, and we have them. When mm-hmm. you turn a lava lamp on, it takes about eight to twelve days before it actually starts doing its lava thing. <laughs> Are they making shitty lava lamps now? First of all, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because one of my questions was going to be: Do people still have lava lamps? Because yeah. in college, you know, we had lava lamps, we had bean bags, we were trying to be in the '60s. It was the '90s. It's a remarkably but... uh, dangerous thing, I think. Like, I think, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. I assume if like you knocked one over and it cracked open, everyone would die in the building. Yeah, That's but it's I just it, like it's a little light bulb, and the idea is that that you heat up the stuff and it and it just takes forever. And especially like we're in New England, so in the winter, like the rooms that you're not sure. in are cold, and and you know the the lava looks horrible when it's not. I mean, it's a, it's a thing for stoners. Yeah, I mean, or, it's a or, thing where you get you get high and you look at the lava. I had one in college. I had a red one. And I had a red bean bag. And you thought, ladies are going to like this ambiance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> <laughs> the captain shows up. <laughs> uh, so there are your, your – we're getting to the, near the end of the backlog. So the people who, who yeah. uh, had to wait a little longer are, are getting there. But I think I – don't, I don't know this is wrong. I think we put in a lot of effort for these ones, and I think there's been some fine ones in here. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, so if you want to become part of that, I'm going to do this quick. It's late. Uh, patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you go to, um, th- that has been, uh, why we have the patron picks. We have the patron powers that we just did. Uh, talk explodes, book explodes, media explodes, and all the YouTube content is all going up there because of the patron support. Um, there are other stretch goals uh, that we have when we get to them. Uh, we will talk about those, uh, at another point. There's also the monthly patron, uh, hangout, which happens live, uh, once a month. That's what monthly means. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. the Faceboy. Jesus, this week. There is, what is that word? <laughs> I don't know. There's the patron. It's because we're iFanboy with Facebook. That's why. So I, I said Faceboy. Patron Facebook group and the patron Discord server, which are uh, fun communities and they're places to go. Um, sometimes we, we will be on Discord. I, I cannot remember it exists more than once every two weeks. I don't know why. It's on. I just can't do it. It's not them. It's me. I'm a busy man. Uh, you can go to iFanboyArthritis.com. There's eight t-shirts des- designs there. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a random uh, um, thing I will say. I have some shirts that I bought about the same time. One was one of our shirts. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. I believe I'm wearing it right now. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought another shirt from one of the other kinds of, you know, the, the well-known 
places where you'd mm-hmm. buy shirts that have original designs. The uh, other one, like the design's almost completely gone a year oh, later. Wow. And the iFanboy one's holding up great. And they're both awesome. on the same kind of like, uh, I like the Ultra Soft, the Tri-Blend, the, the one mm-hmm. that has a little heathered look to it. Those, it's holding up great. I can say that about them. iFanboy.com slash support uh, is a place where you don't want to deal with any of that. You go there, you can do direct donations via PayPal. iFanboy.com slash Amazon is a link to buy stuff on Amazon. Buy the books from our books below. There's a general link there. Um, that doesn't cost you anything. It, it helps the show out uh, if you purchase things through there. We appreciate when you do. Um, and honestly, they've got enough money, so give us some of it. That's that's where I'm going with that. Let's do one of these questions. You pick. Dan says, Recently I've been listening to a number of comic creator interviews and noticed one common element when people describe their indie book, the proverbial, oh, it's like this well-known property meets this other well-known property. Game of Thrones meets the Smurfs, or Breaking Bad meets The Walking Dead. While I understand it's easy shorthand and does have me, does, and does have me thinking too often that comics are driven by concept instead of character, and we end up in this diminishing returns cloud of pop culture where everything is a rehash of what came before. Do you think being overly reliant on what came before is a problem with current comics, even more so than the past, since we have so many more comics and familiar familiarity is one way to garner attention. That's called, by the way, that's called a high concept pitch. It is not new. It it came around in movies. uh, I think, one of the popular accepted times, and this isn't this isn't scientific, is that uh, Ridley Scott's, or not Ridley Scott's, the pitch for Alien was Jaws in Space. That's the most yeah. famous sort of initial version of that, and then from there, or there's Die Hard in a blank. Right, right, but, but I'm saying like speed, Die Hard in a right, but but I think the the Jaws in Space was the the first one. Like that's the yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. The accepted. Saying, yes, and it goes on like I, that. So Die Hard in a you're, bus. You're, I think he's conflating several. I mean, it's not. High concept pitching has nothing to do with really. It's just a way of marketing your your thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't make Alien any less of a great film, or no, you know, Speed any less of a great film because it's Die Hard in a book. That's a how bus. you sell something. However, yeah. I think that we've seen, you know, you know, it can have bad consequences too. Which is, you know, you sell something based on a concept, and he's saying here instead of instead of character, and if we're seeing that more in comics, and I think the answer yeah, is yes. Know. Oh, see, I, I think it is. Here. I mean, okay. I don't think that I don't think the way you pitch something has any bearing on the way you execute something. It's all about execution. I mean, well, I think Miami Vice was one of the great cop shows of the '80s, and it was pitched on a, nap, on a napkin saying "MTV Cops." Like that's, I mean, it doesn't matter what the yeah. pitch is; it just matters about how you execute it. I think it takes an enormous amount of talent to be able to turn something that simple into something that's any good. And if you're selling it based on the the prospect of it, that doesn't mean that you can follow up on it. And I think that what you find out is that when people are buying pitches based on those sort of, you know, high concept ideas. It, there's not a surefire way that that's going to I also don't know that translated. comics are being, that's not how comics are pitched. You have to write up a whole fucking Bible and everything. Eh, like that, That's not how comics are pitched to. Well, if you take Marvel a thing DC. like, basically, we're not talking about, I don't think I'm talking about Marvel and DC so much. That might happen there. But um, like the indie comics, you're talking about Boom, you're talking about Image, you're talking about, you know, any of those sort of smaller publishers like i think we've definitely seen that happen in image an image by the way you pitch a comic on a one pager you know that's that's basically you want to get it you want to get it on one page to sort of say what it is you want to get the concept across really quickly you know you want it because that's what they think a fan is going to do like when a fan wants mm-hmm. to evaluate something on the shelf they need to be able to sort of figure it out really quick and it does reduce things down but that has a lot to do with a lot of things you know attention span 
is a big one. And, 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 you know, disposable income to pay for a $6 issue of a book you've never heard of. And yeah. Right. But, I mean, everything is marketing ultimately. I mean, you have to sell books to people who don't want to buy them. And so you have to figure out how to do that. And, you know, I think that 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 leads to saleable concepts rather than good stuff in many instances. I don't. I don't necessarily think that's true. Really? I, mean, I also don't know that. I, I also can't think of a single example of this of comics where this someone said this is Game of Thrones meets the Smurfs. You know, like does I, it, I think. That, I think there's a billion books that. I mean, I talked about this before. Like, I think right now it, there's Apocalypse and Kaiju, and so it's like Godzilla and zombies, or we've seen like Robot Gorilla meets zombies on the moon. It, like, there's been a lot of that, and it, or it's uh, like. I mean, you could look at any release of image books and 75% of them are going to get boiled down to like a really, you know, it's, it's like our same thing where we go, oh, this story sounds interesting. It's the border crisis, but he's, he's the human torch. You know, like, I'm not saying that's, it gets... That's, that's everything. No, I just don't think that's how things are pitched. I just don't think this is, I think these are, these are concepts from the films and not comics. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just don't think that high concept pitching is, is really a problem in comics. I don't think it's a problem with films, honestly. Hmm. Well, there you go. I believe that we both answered that question to the best of our ability. <laughs> I mean, it's all—it's never really changed. You always have to sort of pitch something. You know, first of all, you got to pitch an editor who doesn't want to buy your book, and then you got to then you got to pitch an audience who doesn't want to buy your a store doesn't want to buy your book, and then you got to buy pitch an audience who doesn't want to buy your book. So you have to be able to do it in a certain in a way to get it across. It's it's real. Okay, okay, okay. It's very rarely has do you think the actual content. Do you think it's easier to sell a book with a higher concept and a worse with a high concept and a worse story than a book with a more difficult concept and a better story? Right, that's why the high concept exists, but it has nothing yeah. to do with the, the quality of the story. It just depends. I feel I mean, like the 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 former is more common now in indie comics, or at least you know, like non big two comics, than it was previously. I just we've got more. Like Image Comics is putting out more things that seem like high concepts than they than they feel like fleshed out stories. It's Peter Pan in World War Two. It's you know, and and it if you can, and and that's kind of as far as the guide. A lot of times, like, but if then you think about like oh, that was a very good book though. For yeah, but again, that's not necessarily bad. But they tend to often be more half baked than otherwise. Whereas if you were to go backwards and say like look at Trans Metropolitan, I don't know what the pitch for that is. Hunter S. Thompson in the future, but you can, I mean, you can kind of do it for anything, but <laughs> right, that's, and that's exactly my point is you can make a high concept of anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It just all comes down to execution. Does it matter what comes up? What, what happened? What it is first though? No. All right. Only that matters is what the result is. You have a bunch of high concept pitches in somewhere, don't you? <laughs> I, I mean, I just understand that you got to, this, this is how the sausage <clears throat> is made. Sure. All, all, the only thing that matters in anything is what the execution is, what the result is. Doesn't matter how it got there. Robert Kirkman lied about his pitch to get his book out. Yeah, the book was really good. didn't matter. Right, but that means that he had the story and the characters and everything in mind as a thing because he had the talent to do it. I just feel like we're not seeing that as much. It was also there was no zombie book, so all right, here stigma attached to zombie books. This is what I would tell you: is that I feel like people are much better at pitches than they are at storytelling now. Oh, sure, pitching is easy. This is nothing. This is nothing. I'm four months into the Song of Solomon when I find I don't have the rights. You try. try. (laughs) 4 a.m. I'm coked to the gills. I haven't even read the treatment. Yeah, no, it's 
pitching is just tell, you know is selling and then that's the easy part so Pitch you're talking about the methodology of the pitch and i am talking about the quality of the work that comes out of it right and i think they're they're not they're irrelevant to each other i see that's my point well but i think that that you could say that if somebody has a talent in pitching that thing but not necessarily a talent in storytelling that it's possible they could get more work made and therefore the work would be would suffer more but like i've heard that like rob rob Liefeld is like the best comic book pitcher that's ever lived yeah and so but at the end of the day the work's what matters his books don't sell that much because they're not you know yeah but he gets to make them he did yeah not anymore fair enough at the end of the day the only thing matters is what, what, what the book that comes out you know I, I, I just don't see what Dan's seeing which maybe I'm just don't you know I could be wrong I do but we've talked about it it's fine I don't think there's a right answer I just I here I wish there were more good comics. <laughs> sure, and I don't care how they're pitched as long as they're good. Contact at fanboy.com. That's you can write in for for comic discussion or for media explode discussion on our monthly media explode show or our, our general media shows, which we have many shows. Like this past month, we had book explode for Avengers West Coast Division Quest. Do we want to tell them what the next one is? Yeah, sure. All right. So the last book explode is Avengers West Coast Division Quest. We're telling you this now because. Uh, even though it's the, the next show won't be till uh, June because it's a long one, I've, I've, I've only barely cracked cracked the surface of it. It's the um, Injustice Gods Among Us Year One: The Complete Collection. So we're finally delving into Injustice after really enjoying the Injustice Year Zero series by Tom Taylor <laughs> Taylor and seven thousand artists, including uh, Bruno Redondo, the current artist of Nightwing, including Kevin McGuire. Like that, including some other people who are not at that, those guys' levels. <laughs> Injustice Gods Among Us, year one, the complete collection is the next book explode in June. In between that, there'll be a talk explode in May. Those are our other shows, and like the media explode, which has just came out right behind this show, is our monthly non-comics media show. We talked about uh, the Oscars. So we, we talked about the best pictures after having watched a lot of them. We talked about fan service we debated that we talked about indiana jones and the last crusade because that's where the fan service conversation came out of we talked about something else i can't remember we talked about vinyl a lot of things happened on the media explode and uh also coming up soon i believe the show vinyl the show vinyl the plan is to do a special edition podcast on invincible the television cartoon series based on the comic book that's the plan mm-hmm. we haven't recorded it yet mm-hmm so I hate to promise it, but that's we've been talking about it. A special animation brain trust, possibly guest starring Josh episode about Invincible. Nice. I just threw Josh under the bus for that. You did. That's fine. I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't really iffy on it, so it's fine. Go to ifmember.com. You can find all of our shows in the vast history of comic book writing from all of our talented writers. All the podcasts we've ever done are there. Well, the ones that are there are there. Like You can like <laughs> facebook.com slash ifanboy or follow at ifanboy on Twitter uh, and at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out at those places. You can see panels of the week over on Instagram and and Connor's thankless task of finding something to uh, know that tell you know that there are new comics coming out. Some week it's easier than other weeks. Yeah, um, you can find you should you should submit things. 
You should yeah. submit things to Connor, or you could send them to Contact iFanboy and say, this would be a good panel for that. And I think we would appreciate that. And then we would also probably see some cool things in there. Uh, don't abuse it. Uh, follow us individually. See us at, at CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, at Jay Flanagan on Instagram. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy. And like those videos and subscribe over here in the corner. And then also check out these uh, every time. Oh I can't help. They all talk up at a level that I, I don't feel that excited about anything. And all of the screenshots look the same. It's just a close-up of some dude's face who doesn't have a job being really excited. (laughs) Constantly about everything. If you're excited about everything, then nothing matters. We don't do that on our fucking 15-year-old shows. (laughs) Uh, So the, the shows that came out this week are a mini which is Avengers the Initiative number 12, which Ron is talking about. And it's interesting because I was like, I kind of remember that. That was 12 issues? Whatever that was. <laughs> that was 12, and I have no idea why Ron decided to do a mini on it, but there it is. Yeah. I was probably pick, it was his pick of the week. No, 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 because those were no, those were called pick of the week. So I he just wanted to talk about that issue. Whatever. Uh, we did our show on Watchmen. I remember doing that. I said, we should talk about Watchmen. I guess you should the watch it. The movie was coming out. Yeah, and you should uh, you should watch it and tell us if you think we got anything right. I wonder I wonder if I would still agree with myself uh, from them. And then of course there was our WonderCon 2009 show. Um, that was the show where we interviewed the cast of Watchmen. Well, look at that. We also yeah. wonder if Dave Gibbons still has that shirt. Gave Dave Gibbons, and we gave Rorschach. What's his name? Earl Rorschach. Early Haley. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> A um, firm shirt, and Jackie Earl Haley came back out after the junket and asked if he could have another one for his buddy. And we were like, you can have as many as you want, Jackie Earl Haley. I just tried to name him F. Lee Bailey, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and that was fun. Wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, right. If you like the show, write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold. Better yet, tell your friends, your mom, your kid, your letter carrier, the nurse giving you the vaccine, anyone uh, who you meet now that you're going outside again, even though you might still be wearing your mask, you can still tell them uh, about it. And uh, I was going to say put on an iFanboy mask, which are available at the Threadless store. But we had a patron tell us that his job asked him to stop wearing the Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters mask to work. Which warms my heart. <laughs> which is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Yes. Yes, it is. So there you go. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I'm that nice daddy extra party starter. Number one hard ripper parter. More vice and gambling in Las Vegas, Nevada. I try harder every day. It's all work and no pain. Oh,